This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Our series that we're on right now is the next big move. Uh, and and uh, in speaking about that, Pastor Tom Mullins kicked us off. But maybe just before we get to Pastor Tom Mullins, one of Pastor Tom's mentors, uh, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, uh, shared this principle that the, the day after victory is the most dangerous time. Most times we believe that the day before the war is the most important day. But how many of you know it was just after Jesus came out of the water and was baptized and that God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, that the enemy came after him. How many of you know that it was the day after David had established, the days after David had established himself as king and, you know, he had trained up his army, the nations around him feared him, that he chose to rest at home and he fell into the temptation of Bathsheba. So when we've had a great victory, when we've come out of a great conference, had stadium worship like we've just done out of action right now, the temptation is to sit back and say, Whoo, wow, what a conference. We did so well. But that is the most dangerous time. Because if we don't purpose in our hearts to look at what God is doing next, we set ourselves up for failure. So that's why we're talking about the next big move. So Pastor Tom Mullins kicked off. And he taught us to stop, to engage people, to love anon, and to believe. He says the next big move starts from within us going out. It's not a big move somewhere out there. It starts in going out. That Sunday evening, Brother Milton came up and delivered a powerful word. And he said, you know what, the next big move starts with a small step forward. And some of it may be a small step to stop doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. Pastor Tommy did excellently last week when he talked about the next big move comes out of knowing God. Pastor Tom had been teaching us about what eternal life is. Eternal life is, is this, is knowing God and his son whom he sent. And he said most of us follow God out of a concept of who God is instead of following him out of a conviction of who God is and knowing him. And our next big move will come out of knowing God and doing what he is doing. Then... Last Sunday night, God confirmed his word. For those of you that were there, you know. Those of you that went, well, I don't even know whether getting the audio is enough. Because the Holy Spirit came down. God confirmed his word so audibly. Prophecy of the next direction and where we're to go came forth. So where do we go from here? And one of the things... Pastor Ray and Pastor House shared is this, is the next big move is initiated by God. We are not the initiators of the next big move. We align ourselves with what God is doing. And in that, the next big move comes out. So this morning, I want to pick up from there. And I, I want to share with you what helps us take those bold steps that lead to the next big move. You know, in the book of Ezra, we've just uh, come out of reading it, and I'm so grateful for the daily Bible reading program that Pastor Barney has come up with. You know, it all seems to line up with what's happening in the spirit. You may face a situation in the office and the word of God has given you a solution for that day. You know, we're reading in the book of Ezra, that's what we're reading this weekend. We went into the book of Nehemiah. Today, we started in the book of Esther. And in Ezra, we, we, we find the story 
of the remnant of uh, the Jews after years in captivity at the decree of, of King Cyrus, they, they, they go back to their land. They go back to Jerusalem. They go back to this city that has been destroyed, that is rubble. But they have an opportunity to come out of oppression and begin to rebuild for themselves. And they purpose in their heart to do something that is so righteous. They purpose in their hearts to do something that God is doing. They purpose to rebuild the temple of God, which lay in ruins. Which 70 years earlier, Nebuchadnezzar had stripped, burnt, taken all the furnishings, taken all the gold, the silver out of, and taken to their gods in Babylon. These guys begin to do the work. But how many of you know when you purpose in your heart to do something that God is doing, you're going to face opposition? How many of you know that when you're doing something that heaven has assigned your wake-up hell? So these men and women, when, they've, when they're about this work, when they're going about this work, opposition rises up against them. And here's what they do. King Cyrus had died at the time, and these guys go to the new king, and they say, well, you know, uh, if, if you allow this work to go on, you, you, you need to check your history. This was known as a rebellious city. If you allow them to, to rebuild, they'll be rebellious towards you and your throne will be in threat. Da -di -da -di -da -di -da. Write an edict stopping this work. Listen to what happens in Ezra 4, verses 23 to 24. It says, now a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes wrote, was read before Ram, Shimshai, the scribe, and their companions. And they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them seize by force and by power. Then seized the work of the house of, the house of God, which is in, at Jerusalem. So it seized unto the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. The Bible says that this work that they encountered, this work that they began, the king wrote a letter and said this work by force and by power, by declaration of this letter, this work must cease. It must not go forward. How many of us? Say we are on a good wicket. We're, we're, on, we're doing what God's called us to do. But something new comes from the government. Maybe K-Lights out. I'm not sure what it is and I'm not getting into that debate. But I don't know what it is. And they say by power and by force this must cease. Or it may be your boss at work. You're on a good wicket. Maybe you've just began giving more, tithing in church. And the boss says, hey, job under threat, retrenchments are beginning. It may be a husband that from nowhere woke up and says, I want a divorce. When you've started doing a good work for the kingdom, these things will happen. And by force and by power, they'll want us to seize what God's began, the good work that God's began in us. But the Bible says that he that began a good work in us is faithful to see to completion in Christ Jesus. So in Ezra 5, listen to what happened. In the back, on the background of a letter, of a law from the king, from the government of the day, in Ezra 5, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Then the prophets, say thank God for prophets. Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, son of Edo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the Lord of God and Israel, even unto them. They rose up, Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, and Jeshua, son of uh, Jezad, Jezadak, 
and began to build the house of the Lord, which was at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. Ho, ho. Now, these guys did not rise up on the decree of the king. They rose up by a prophetic declaration. And I'm here to let you know, Celebration Church, that we have a sure word of prophecy that we have been given. That out of the mouth of our prophets, the word of God has been prophesied. He says they don't prophesy out of their own strength. They don't prophesy out of their own spirit. But they prophesy out of the spirit as they are moved by God. So these guys rose up not by the decree of man, but they rose up by the decree and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, spoken through a man of God. We just came out of action, rise up and reign. And in Celebration Church, we have a sure word of prophecy in this season of the direction and the things that we're supposed to do. You see, Zerubbabel and Joshua moved with what God was doing at great risk to themselves and those that followed them. Our big move is going to come from us aligning ourselves with what God's doing. Prophecy points us to what God's doing. What stirred up these men to take such a bold step? What would have God said? What would have the prophet said to stir up these men to take such a bold move? Well, the book of Haggai gives us a small indication of what that would be. It says, Haggai 1 verse... uh, Three to nine. And let, let me just read that. You can put that up. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your pen, paneled houses and this temple lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You are so much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but do not get filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but you're not, one, no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns, wage, earns wages to put them in a bag with holes. That says the Lord of hosts. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it And be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because my house that is in ruins, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to your own house. Church has gone quiet. Verse 12, listen to this. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shittil, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God. Turn to your neighbor and say, they obeyed the voice of their Lord, their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai the Lord's messenger spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the son of Shittel and governor of Judah and the spirit of Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And on the 24th day of the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius. You see, it was not convenient for these men and women to obey God. In fact, it was at great risk to their own lives. They had a window, and they had, they, 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 it, it seemed like a good idea. 
They had just come back to the, to the city which lay in ruins. They had just come out of being oppressed. They had just come out of captivity. And it seemed things were working together when the work of the house of the Lord was stopped. And they thought, well, let us go and build our own houses. Let's use this gap. Let's use this window to build our own. And yet God turns back and says, hey, 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 that's not my big move. My big move is not your own. My big move lies in my house. And when my house is restored, your houses will be restored. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. He says, how, 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 how can you? He says, now, now that you're beginning to build for yourself, you earn, but your pockets have holes. You never seem to have enough. You seem to take two steps forward and that you take three steps backwards. You clothe yourselves, but you're never warm. You eat, but are never satisfied. You drink, but remain thirsty. He says, I have blown it away because my house lies in ruins while you build your own. You see, when is it convenient for us to do what God asks us to do? These men laid down what was convenient for them to pick up what God had commanded them to do. And the Bible says it didn't matter what the circumstances around them was. It says when they aligned themselves with what God was doing, the message of the Lord came back and said, I am with you. My presence is with you. This bold step that you've taken is a step in the direction of what I am doing what I am interested in. Today, we read in Psalms 95, it says, today when you, you are my people, I am your God, and you are my people and pastor. Today when you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your hearts. As in the day of trial in the wilderness. How did they harden their hearts? How did they harden their hearts in the wilderness? Well, first, the wilderness came because they refused to go where God was going. They saw giants in their promised land. God had said, I'm leading you out of Egypt and taking you into the promised land. When they saw giants, they said, oh, we need to look after ourselves here. It is not convenient to go and die in this promised land. Let us choose us another leader and go back to the oppression we were used to. Because what God is asking us to do is too bold a step for us to take. You see, we, we find ourselves in the same place. We have a sure word of prophecy saying we've come out from the wilderness. Wilderness thinking will not work for us to seize promised land opportunity. We at that place as a church. The prophetic word in this season from the 2017 word, Pastor Tom, is we at that place where we are at, looking at the promised land. And God is not saying turn backwards. He's saying despite the circumstances, despite the giants that are before you, despite the circumstances that say you look like a grasshopper in their eyes, I am with you. My word is saying you can take this bold step and get into the promised land. 
But here's, here's what our, our solution is. Our solution is, no, 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 no. no. God, raise us a leader that, that, that will lead us. God, 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 God uh, 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 this will come by a change of king. Give us a king that will lead us into the promised land. <laughs> Don't you know that you are the temple of God? The promised land starts with this temple. How can you seize the promised land when this temple lies in ruins? The temple where God dwells lies in ruins. The temple where we worship him corporately lies in ruins. The big move, as Pastor Tom Mullins indicated, starts off right here. With me saying, I'll align myself with what God's doing. I'll see what God's seeing. I'll take a bold step in spite of the circumstances. Jesus said this. He says, I'll do, I do only what I see my father do. And my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Convenience says this. This is what I'm going to do. God, jump on board and bless it. Obedience says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I will only do what I see you doing. I'll only go where I see you. In spite of the circumstances I face. This is the same thing the children of Israel did. Because at that point, our obedience is not based their obedience was not based on what God said. Their obedience was based on what was convenient for them at the time. The next big move is not what can I do to go forward? What can I do? What is it that I want to do? What is it that I need to do for the next promotion, next level? But more, how can I align myself with what God's doing? How can I see what God's seeing? How can I go where God is going? Because therein, God says, I am with you. So it doesn't matter whether there's a decree stopping the work. It doesn't matter how big the giants are that are before you. God said, I am with you. And that's enough. Pastor Tom said this year is the year of Aen. Aen means we see God eye to eye. Now more than ever is a time that we need to see what God's seeing. We need to be listening to what he's saying and doing it. God watches over his word to perform it. And it will not return to him void. If we don't align ourselves with what God's doing, God will raise someone else. So here's, here's what took place. When these men <laughs> chose to align themselves with the prophetic word that had been spoken, with what God was doing, it was a bold step. And as they did that, we go back to Ezra 1, where King Darius, years before, had written a decree. And this is what the decree was. It said this. And King Cyrus, sorry. And King Cyrus was a heathen. It says, now in the first year of King Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. God moves on a heathen king that his word might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of 
King Cyrus, king of Persia, saw that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and also put in writing saying, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me. He has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods, with livestock, besides the free will offerings of the house of God. Verse 7 says this, King Cyrus also brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem, and put them in the temple of his gods. And Cyrus, the king of Persia, brought them out at the hand of uh, that guy, and the treasurer, and counted them out to that guy, the prince of Judah. You see, if, if God's people will not rise up, the prophetic word will be done by heathens. These men, when they rose up by the prophetic word of Haggai and invoked what God had written before and caused to move on a heathen king, Pastor Tom said that this season is a season of restoration of things lost in past seasons. These men, by their rising up today, tapped into what God was doing to restore today what was lost in past seasons. Our obedience today. You know, Pastor Tom has been telling us that this is the season of wealth transfer. This is the season of plunder. We were there, hooray, hooray, hoo-ha, hoo-ha, and, and I'm one of them. And I was sowing the money and, you know. But these men, what was the world transfer for? What was the plunder for? What was the restoration for? It was for kingdom order. And kingdom order starts off in God's house first. It was not so they could go and rebuild their houses. Even though rebuilding their houses, the provision for it was there. That plunder was so God could have his house and his kingdom order reinstituted. So that his influence and dominion may be extended through you and I. God was looking for men and women that would obey him no matter what. He was looking for Daniels. He was looking for Josephs. The prophetic word last year said God is raising Daniels. He's raising Josephs. And as he does that, he will raise King Cyruses and move on their hearts to do what, to do for the, king, for the children of the kingdom of light what God would have them do. So God is not asking you to look at who King Cyrus is. Who, who is in power? He's not asking you to look at the government of the day. He's asking you to look to him. He's asking you and I to look to what his prophetic word says. He's asking you to look at what the declaration says. And he says, if we are willing and obedient in, in that season, in that time, we will eat the good of the land. He will move on the kings of the day to do what his will requires. He says, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He, like a watercourse, he directs it wherever he pleases. We are not to concern ourselves as to which king is in power, how he's in power, when he'll stay in power, how long. We are to concern ourselves with the bold steps we need to take when God's voice speaks that we may obey him. We are to concern ourselves with not hardening our hearts when it's inconvenient to obey God. He says, when you do this, I am looking for Daniels. I am looking for Josephs who at the threat of the lion's den will still stand up for righteousness. I'm looking for Josephs who, who will find it inconvenient to sleep with Potiphar's wife for the next promotion, who will honor me and obey me no matter what, who, even if it means they go to the prison, he says, I am the one who promotes man. 
The convenient thing for Joseph to do was to sleep with Potiphar's wife. That was his next promotion. It would have been pleasurable in the moment, but it would have cost him his destiny. I must confess, I'm one of them. When the prophetic word went out for plunder, wealth transfer, I was like, whoa, restoration of things lost in passing. I was like, whoa, baby, we're in. It was just like the, the people. Who are looking? Wealth transfer from the government, looking and expecting a Messiah. They were expecting a Messiah who'd come with a big horse, <laughs> conquering the enemies. Wow! Sorting out the economy, removing corruption. They were looking for this big, big, big presidential candidate who would sort things out once and for all. They were looking and saying, when the Messiah comes, yeah, those people of Nebuchadnezzar, they will see. Yeah, those people of Artaxerxes, they will see. When our king comes. But when Christ came, he didn't come conquering. He came in obedience to his fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because he came bringing deliverance to the oppressed. He came healing the sick. Christ didn't come seeking an office to be served. Christ came to serve. <laughs> the Messiah, the deliverer came to serve. They were looking for a conquering king. The route to conquering came through service. That pattern has not changed. And what was Christ's zeal for? When they sold and were trading in the house of God, they found out what Christ's zeal was. His zeal was for the house of the Lord. The disciples testified of it in John 2. They said, whoa. He's fulfilling what was written, that his zeal would be for the house of the Lord. The wealth transfer, the plunder, is God making provision for the restoration of his house. And if God's house is restored, nations are restored. So do you and I want to know what God's next big move is? Look in his house. Get a zeal for his house. Do you and I want to know what God's next big move in? Big move is in. Get involved with what he is doing. Do you want to know what the next big deal is? The next big building is? Build his house. So now more than ever, when you hear church planting, go there. When you hear mission possible to plant a church, put your finances to it. That's what God's doing. You see, the king could have come conquering, but God was interested. Jesus said, my purpose is this, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the sick, to, bring, to set the captives free, to proclaim the year of the Lord, to bring deliverance to the oppressed. And today in Matthew 10, in the daily Bible reading, he gives the same charge to his disciples. 
He says, I've, the same authority I've been given, I give you. To go and cast out demons, to go and heal the sick, to go and take care of the oppressed. And he says, listen, listen to the instruction. He says, do not carry with you copper or gold, for the worker is worthy of his wage. Who is his paymaster? Who is his paymaster? He says, don't carry, don't carry. Because if you try and carry your own money, you will earn wages, but your pockets will have bags with holes. But if you are pursuing me, if you are pursuing what I'm interested in, that's a big move. And because it's my vision, I give the provision for it. And the provision is not just for my vision. It's for anyone that's part of my vision. So Pastor Bonnie's call, that our involvement is the key to our call, is so true. Our response is the key to our destiny, is so true. God is looking for bold steps of obedience. Not comfortable steps of convenience. I want to show you something. The Bible calls us the body of Christ. I want to show you a graphic of our church. That's our church. That's our church. 14% serving. 14% are taking care of God's house. If it were a body, that's what it would look like. The black part is the 86%. That's carrying the whole body. How God be happy when his house lies in ruins. What would the church look like if 100% of us were served? What would it look like if all of us took up our part and added our supply to the body. Would there be lack amongst us? No. Because each and everyone's need is met by what God's speaking to the other to meet for the other. And the Bible says, as you refresh, so shall you be refreshed. We can't live that scripture when only 14% of us are doing it. Yet we're out here saying, oh, next big move. He says you're building your own houses. Yet my house lies in ruins. Jesus came to restore his glorious church. So, the next big move Starts off with the first step of aligning ourselves with what God's doing. You see, the pattern is already here. God's shown us. When the children of Israel left Egypt and were going to the promised land and they were in the wilderness. God knew to preserve anything that he was going to build and establish a nation. When he gave Moses the covenant on Mount Sinai, 
the first vision God gave him was to go and build the tabernacle. And we find in the book of Exodus that this tabernacle, here's what happened. God is up on the mountain giving Moses the vision, giving him the terms of the covenant, writing on the tablets of stone himself. Then he gives Moses and he says, go and receive free will offerings from the people. How do you receive free will offerings from slaves? Go and receive free will offerings from people. Anyone willing to give, how do you receive free will offerings from slaves? How do you receive free will offerings from the oppressed? How? But still Moses gives, God gives Moses the commandment, says you finance the building of the tabernacle from the free will offerings of the people. Why? Because back in Exodus chapter 12, chapter 11, God had told these same slaves that go to your neighbors, the Egyptians, and plunder them. He didn't tell them why. He just says go and plunder them. Pastor Tom says the season of plunder is here, the season of restoration of things. And we're thinking, whoa, I was thinking, man, it's for me. Wow, yay, wow. God's making future provision for a tabernacle he's building. And if that tabernacle is built, all our needs are taken care of. A nation is established. That tabernacle that they built. And here's the dangerous thing. While Moses was up receiving these instructions, the people had plundered. They had all this plundered. They were in the wilderness. They had all this time on their hands. No longer did they have oppression. And Moses seems to be taking a long time up there, Pastor Barney. All these things Pastor Barney and Pastor Tom are telling us, they're taking too long, man, to come. So they decide down there, to, hey, Aaron, give us a God that will take us back to Egypt. And Aaron says, bring that plunder, your earrings and everything, and let's cover ourselves a God to take us back. You see, if our plunder is given and doesn't have a godly vision to it, we make idols. You see, we begin to live conveniently. <laughs> so by the time Moses got back downstairs, down the mountain, they were, poof, there was the calf. They'd, they'd used their plunder to live more comfortably. If we are not careful, if we don't align ourselves with what God's doing, the plunder that we've received will be used to create idols. We shall oppress our children generations to come. David establishes the tabernacle of David, restores the ark back to the children of Israel and puts in 24-hour praise and worship. Why? To preserve the presence of God. That's why you need to be here tonight. Wherever the presence of God is, you can rule and reign. Why? Because in his presence, there's liberty and joy. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence is the revelation of the next big move. David knew that by establishing the tabernacle, by establishing this place where God could be worshipped, his rulership and dominion of Israel, would be established for generations to come. David knew that by building this tabernacle, the thing that Moses had started, building this place where they could host the presence of God, God himself came and said, David, you're a sinful man. Yes, you are. You have fallen short. You have all. But I will establish a covenant with you. There will never fail to be a ruler from your generation. That rules on the throne. That move, that act of obedience, that bold move that David took to have a zeal for the house of the Lord 
echoed in eternity because the Messiah himself came from his lineage. That was a big move. That was a big move. So God's pattern, even in Israel, says, you know what? You want to rebuild your nation? Host me. You want to rebuild your lives? Host me. Have a zeal for my house. Have a zeal for what I'm doing. Have a zeal for my agenda. And if you have a zeal for my agenda, your agenda will be taken care of in perpetuity. I'll tell you a story. Convenience. Man wants to join one of our teams here. They say, hey, I want to join one of your teams. What time do I need to be at church? They say to him, well, you know, we prepare for everyone to come to service. We, we have to be here a little earlier. So, you know, you have to come here at 7.30. 7.30? Well, that's not convenient. That's not convenient. And, and, and if I come here at 7.30, who comes with my family? It's not convenient. What is now, now I need to drive here, serve, find a way of getting my family. It's not convenient to do that. It's not convenient. Another man is faced with the same challenge because, you know, that's what we do at Be That Man. We challenge men to get into service. He says, well, I'm like the other man. I have one car. It's inconvenient for me to, you know, come at 7.30. To see he wanted to serve, I think, in children's church. Children's church. Or whatever. It's inconvenient. But this is what God's doing. I need to find a way to obey so you know what he does? He leaves his wife the car and he catches a combi and he comes here to serve. That is a bold step to obey God. Because you know what? Our children are watching what we do. And if we are making convenient decisions all the time, they are learning to make convenient decisions for the future. That man whose son is watching him get up earlier, maybe now he's getting up at 5.30 on a Sunday, to get onto a combi to come to church. He's an executive. So he doesn't get on a combi to go to work, but to come to church, he gets on a combi. That son, when he's a teenager, when his friends are saying, hey, there's a troll up at Sam Levy. Let's go. Yet the pastors have given a prophetic word that there's a youth outreach in Mutare on Friday. More than likely, that child will make a decision that is bold and say no to convenience because he's watched his dad pay the same price. <laughs> Pastor Danny said it. What we do in moderation, our children would do in exaggeration. But the dad who's made convenient decisions, <laughs> the guy will say it's inconvenient for us to go to Mutari. Well, there's a Joel up at Sam Levy. <laughs> Let's go to Sam Levy. But you see, when Psalms 20 says, he'll send us help from the sanctuary and you'll remember all our sacrifices. That father today may not know that his sacrifice of getting into a combi. In his third, fourth generation, there may be a man of God whose destiny is preserving. But because his children have learned the pain of obedience, because Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered, and forsaking convenience, they preserve the destiny of a nation by the house of the of the Lord by having a zeal for the sanctuary. Today, when you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. 
I am guilty. I'm very guilty. Pastor Franz took a year from 1998 to 1999 speaking to me, get involved, get involved, oh, get involved, get, get involved, get involved. I ignored him. I used to run away. I used to, up in the balcony, I used to sit. Some, we didn't have a balcony back then, but I used to sit close to where the balcony was. Nothing wrong with the guys in the balcony. You guys, you could end up here one day, you know. But, uh, you know, and then I started ducking and diving him. I ran away with everything I could. Eventually, I just couldn't take it anymore. I said, yay, I, I changed churches. But I love this one so much. Hey, this bald-headed man. Look at me now. But, <laughs> but, 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 I got involved in the ashes. I used to get up at 5, I, not get up. We used to need to be at Harry Magolis at 5.30 to clean up vomit. Yeah. Or people who partied the night before and then would go and change and put on our best wear at half past seven so we're ready for the service at eight and we looked clean by the time we arrived but we had worked so hard carrying all the equipment, putting it up there. Oh my dear Lord. It was crazy. It was inconvenient and I was an executive. I wasn't supposed to be doing this. didn't know that tied into getting a zeal for the house of God was this destiny. I didn't know that I would meet my wife while I was serving. Have the children I have while I was serving. Have the relationships I have while I was serving. Every dream that I've had as a young man wanted to travel the world, have traveled the world through serving. Hallelujah. Not only that, my household is born again. Amen. You heard my mother prophesy and speak to you. A zeal for the house of the Lord. I got involved with what God was doing, and that was a big move. And who knows how the destiny of my children was tied to that one bold act of obedience. And my great-grandchildren. Because with David, his one bold move to obey God outside of all circumstances established the Messiah who brought salvation to us. Your next big move is tied to your bold step of obeying God. Let's wrap up. I want to show you something else. One more thing. How many of you... Oh, that's not the slide. You've, you've just messed that up. You need to go back. That's the slide I wanted to put up now. But now... Okay. How many of you, if this was a company, business people, and I said the green part was your part in a billion dollar business. In fact, let's, how much have we lost? 13 billion in this country? 15. 15 in a 15 billion dollar business, the, the, the green part is yours. How many of you say, I'd like to be part of that company? How many of you say, no, I want to be part of that blue one? Oh, oh one. Thank you for your honesty and your humility. But most of us would like that shareholding structure, yes? So, next slide. That is the shareholding structure on earth that God asks of you and I. He says, I will give you the earth, but 10% is mine, 90 is yours. Ask for the nations I'll give you. But 10% is mine, 90% is yours, here on earth. Then in Hebrews 7, verse 8, it says this. It says, here on earth, we receive, mortal men receive tithes. But in heaven, Jesus himself, Melchizedek, receives 
our tithes and our offerings. And what does he give us in exchange? Well, we find that when Abraham met to Melchizedek, he gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything he had. And Melchizedek gave him the bread and wine of heaven and blessed him. So on he in heaven, here's how the picture looks like. That's your tithe that Jesus receives. That 90% is God's supply and blessings. Amen. There's a divine exchange that takes place. That's why God wants us not only to be involved when we serve, but also to be involved with our resources. Because he wants us to enjoy that exchange. Do you want to see the picture of where our church is at? Next slide. Same number. 14% of our people tithe. The church has gone quiet. 14% of our church tithe. And we're sick. We've brought a curse upon ourselves. What would our church be like if 100% of us obeyed God? It's not about obeying Pastor Taz or Pastor Tom. This is what God says. What, what would happen if we lived, chose to live not by the inconvenience of, ah, it's tough, and even God wants the 10% of the attribute, but chose to live by the obedience of how God wants to preserve a nation. What would our church look like if 100% of us did what God asked us to do? What would, God, excuse me, what would God's kingdom look like if we all did what we were supposed to do? Pastor Lincoln spoke about being involved. And I encourage you to take a bold step today. To come out of your convenience and serve. But also we have the sin where we say, I serve and we feel that makes up for what you should do in obedience. I serve so I don't need to tithe. My service is my tithe. Yeah? Yeah? Oh, hey, I tithe. I don't need to serve. Yeah? I serve with my tithe. Yeah? Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. That's what the word of, word of God says. We are all but stewards of what God's given us. It's all his anyway. We are just stewards. We have the privilege of being stewards of what God's given us. You know, this lie started in the Garden of Eden. When uh, God said to Abraham, you can eat of all, to Adam, you can eat of all the trees in the garden. But this one, don't eat it. For in the day you do, you shall surely die. And when the serpent came, listen to how he asked Eve. This is what the devil does. He says, did God really say you couldn't eat from the trees in the garden? And you know what? Try and start, a, 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 if you want to start a heated argument with the Christian, talk about tithing. Did God really say we should tithe? Yes. Is tithing not Old Testament? You see, the gateway the enemy used was to get Eve to focus on what Eve would believe God was withholding. God said, that tree, that tree, don't eat of it. That's mine. The enemy came and said, oh, he's withholding it. He knows that for sure if you eat of it, you'll meet all your monthly bills. How can, how can he even ask you to give 10% in such an economy? What, what type of God is that? And then our eye goes off the 90% and goes to the 10%. And then we've, we've set ourselves up for deception. Because we look at what's good, pleasurable, and desirable to eat. 
Now, I saw a joke this week on social media. It said Christians boast and say, hey, me, I don't eat pork. I don't eat rabbit. I obey the Lord. Yet God was specific about you eating his tithe. You feel justified eating his tithe. Let's just eat it. God says, if you surely eat it, you're cursed. You're cursed because you're robbing me. Just like in the garden, you'll surely die. Today, I want to ask us a celebration, church, to stop living by convenience. And take the bold step to obey God. To hear his voice and not harden our hearts. To involve ourselves with what God's doing. The next big move is taking a step to align yourself with what God's doing. It starts off in his house. Lord, we praise you, we glorify you. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your high praises forever be in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.